0: All right, well, we are supposed to be in Nehemiah 5 all the way through 6, verse 14. Uh, But we're going to spend most of our time in chapter 6, so that's what I'm going to read today. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, and uh, I'm just going to read our portion today. We're going to go from verses 1 uh, to 14. Now when Sambalet and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sambalet and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Haciferium in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalit for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king." And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a new king, there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent him saying, no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them up out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands." Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Matabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalit had hired him. For his, this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalit, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess. Nodiya, and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1941, Walt Disney read a book to his daughters, his two daughters, that would transform Disney Studios forever. His daughters were in, so in love with the story that Walt promised them he would have, it, have the book made into a movie in no time. Disney had a dream. He was motivated with the vision of bringing stories to life for his children and for children all around the world. With this vision in mind, he was ready to set out for the task, but this time proved to be the most difficult yet. Disney wrote letters and personally called P.L. Travers in hopes to partner with her to make her story come to life. And typically, when Walt Disney phones you, you answer. Travers, however, found Disney to be brainless and shallow. Disney's vision and passion was so ingrained into who he was and what he did that he didn't quit, despite the rejections he was receiving. He would continue to endure for 20 more years, 20 more years, until finally Travers agreed to meet with him to talk about making her book into a movie. The vision wasn't over yet, however. Working with Travers proved to be one of the most difficult things Disney and his team ever faced. She was relentless on every detail, demanded that every meeting she was in be recorded so she can listen back to it later, and she would get the final say on the script. Finally, the work was done. Disney endured the pain and work for over 20 years to make his vision a reality. At the premiere of Mary Poppins, P.L. Travers was not even invited but she showed up anyway. As the movie played, Travers started to cry, not with tears of joy, but tears of rage. As soon as the movie was over, Travers demanded that it be edited and that Disney's final words uh, to Travers looked over to her and said, the ship has sailed and never talked to her again. Mary Poppins would be the greatest live-action success of Walt Disney's career. It won five Oscars, including two Best Song and Best Music Original Score. Disney endured the onslaught given to him from Travers because he knew there was something bigger at stake when Travers continued to bring her wrath upon him. And as that happened, he said his peace and he moved on. We are continuing to talk through things as a church, as Gospel Chapel, the future, our vision, and everything that's going on around us but I also want us to take time to focus on what that means for each of us as individuals. It's great to dream about what we can do as a church, but what about each of us? What are you doing with the vision of your life? Great leaders have vision. They aspire beyond themselves. They endure. Leadership is not reserved for people with titles by their names. We are all leaders. Dan Allender writes, A leader is anyone who has someone following her. If anyone looks to you for wisdom, counsel, or direction, then you are a leader. If there is one little girl who looks at you and says, "Mummy," then you are a leader. If there are 14 high-energy boys holding aluminum weapons and screaming that they want to be the first to hit the ball that rests on a rubber T-ball frame, then you are a leader. It takes only one child grabbing your finger with a small, sometimes trembling hand to signify that you are a leader. From your child's birth to the day you pass from this earth, you will continue to make life-shaping decisions as a parent. And of course, it's not just parents who lead with such power and influence. Anyone who wrestles with an uncertain future on behalf of others, anyone who uses her gifts, talents, and skills to influence the direction of others for the greater good is a leader. No one is a mere follower. If you are a follower of God, for instance, then you are called to lead. Every believer is called to help someone grow into maturity, and such is the core calling of a leader. So if we are all leaders, we must ask the question, who or what are we leading? Your children? Your spouse? Your business? A cause? Yourself? Is your life made up of the meaningless passage of time? Or do you live out your days on purpose? We must figure out where we are leading and then we move in the direction of that vision how do you want to lead your family where are you taking them how do you want to lead at work and how do you want to improve what are you trying to accomplish with your life and what's your plan for getting there 1 corinthians 10:31 says so what, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all for the glory of god nehemiah was a leader He prayed, he moved forward, he set his mind to something far bigger than himself. He cast the vision and he endured. Nehemiah had followers who were on board with his vision. And one reason for this was his vision was worth following. It wasn't boring and it wasn't the status quo. People don't follow boring people. Seth Godin says, people yearn for change, they relish being part of a movement and they talk about things that are remarkable, not things that are boring. So what can we learn about Nehemiah's leadership in this passage? The first thing is found in 6 verse 3. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I love this line, I am doing a great work, I cannot come down. I started using it in my own life, actually. One of my visions for myself this year is to be healthier physically. Physically. So, I have a vision for myself into the future, so when I'm tempted to binge on food, like ice cream or cookies, I say, I am doing a great work, and I cannot eat you. When I'm tempted to skip a workout, I tell myself, I'm doing a great work. I cannot skip this workout. I use this line for my vision in my work and with my family as well. It was a little bit of a tension this morning. We had Miles' birthday party yesterday, and he got some Star Wars Lego. And so he's very excited. He, I, I, I got up really early this morning because I wanted to run through my sermon a number of times. But someone else got up really early because they were excited for Star Wars Lego. And I was the one in charge of helping him build the Star Wars Lego. So there's a tension, you know. I have a great work to, to look through my sermon, but I also have a vision and, and plan for my son. And uh, stopping to take the time to be with him was important too. So it really boils down to, and this is... <laughs> This is case in point for me. It boils down to good time management. When I look at my schedule, when I look at the opportunities that are presented to me in my life, I have to tell myself, I don't want to waste someone else's time, and I wouldn't dare waste my own. I don't want to waste someone else's time. I don't want to waste my own. If I put opportunities through that grid first, it helps. I'm not going to waste my time with distractions in the pursuit of my goals and visions. I don't, wanna, I don't have time for trivial nonsense as I pursue greatness in physical fitness. I don't have time to sit and scroll on my phone for hours when my children need time with their father. And I certainly don't have time for haters along the way. If you don't want to follow, fine, but I won't be able to get to you. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. As you pursue your vision, you will have to assess how you are spending your time to move the needle forward. Some things aren't worth your time, And unfortunately, some people aren't worth your time either. That's what Nehemiah learned. When I first started as a youth pastor here, I had one parent who would occasionally update me on what all the other parents thought about me, my decisions in the youth ministry. And this parent was very, very well-intentioned. But I eventually had to tell them I was no longer concerned with the chatter behind closed doors, but from now on, if anyone tells you something that they are upset um, about with me or the youth ministry, they can come and talk to me and I'll make time for them. Otherwise, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. When pursuing vision, you will also find opposition. We talked about this last week from Pastor Doug's message. You'll find opposition from things or even from yourself or others. And how one handles those obstacles is what I believe separates mediocre leaders from great leaders. So number two, we'll continue on in the passage here. uh, In verse five, it says, In the same way, Sambalot for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So come on, let us take counsel together. Then I said to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. So Sambalit and Tobiah are persistent, Tactic number one didn't work, so they moved on to the next plan. Let's make something up to get Nehemiah's attention. Nehemiah once again handles the haters with tact. You're making stuff up in your head. It's not real. How we handle haters is so crucial as we pursue vision in our lives. And first off, it's important for us to establish, I think, what a hater actually is. I think a good leader knows the difference between a hater and someone who just disagrees with you. They can take what is being said and evaluate if time is needed to talk through things with people and grow, or if they need to just say, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. That's what a good leader can do. Somehow we have equated a difference of opinion as hate. If you think differently than me, You mean to cause me harm. You hate me. And this has been especially true in a lot of colleges and universities today. Many now have safe rooms in their universities for people who are feeling overwhelmed by people who oppose their way of life, their beliefs or their ideas. This philosophy that opposing ideas is causing harm has gotten so bad that some students in universities will protest at their schools if certain guest speakers are brought in because they don't agree with them. It's very ironic. So how do we know when we need to take time and address people, and how do we know when people are just out to get us and not worth our time, kind of like Nehemiah did? And Here's a few tips that, I, that I've gotten along the way. A good leader knows how to engage with people who disagree. A good leader doesn't vent their frustrations on social media. Just get on with your work. You don't need validation from your Facebook friends. Haters deal in extremes. You always and you never. Non-haters deal in reality. I've noticed sometimes that you... Haters typically engage behind closed doors and online, but non-haters will talk to you in person. Uh, Riley Hepner and I started doing some, some video podcasts on certain subjects, and the last one we did, somebody was very, very upset on the internet world. Couldn't believe it. Not really. Uh, but I was very impressed with their four-page four document in the, in the YouTube comments section. So I thought, you know what, I should follow up with this person. So I just said, hey, I'd love to talk to you more about this. Uh, Here's my email address if you'd like to discuss. And I got nothing. Haters typically like to throw the grenade and then walk away. They're not that interested about you. Haters don't want to build on relationship. And non-haters are interested in building relationship. Haters usually don't have any credibility. And non-haters typically can back up their words with history and expertise. Andy Stanley writes, don't be distracted by criticism. Take your frustrations and anger to the one who got you into this thing to begin with. Time will tell who was right. The worst thing you can do is allow your anger to shift your focus. I have wasted a lot of valuable vision time trying to answer my critics and track down the source of rumors. Pour out your heart to the Father and then get back to work. And this all goes back to time management again. I'm not going to waste your time and I'm certainly not going to waste my own. How much power are we actually giving people in our lives? Am I more concerned with random guy on the internet or am I more concerned with my friends or my family? And I am personally more interested in the people who are interested in following, not the people who want nothing to do with me. People will make stuff up about you. I think a lot of us, well, I, I'm sure many of us have experienced this. They'll make stuff about you up about you especially when they see you succeeding. And they're not. Don't worry about it. Your character will speak for itself. And again, stay off Facebook unless you just want to prove people right about who you really are. Follow Nehemiah's example in verse 9. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. People were seeking to make Nehemiah scared and quit. But instead, he turned to God for strength. The last point here, starting in verse 10. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Daliah, son of Mattabel, who was confined in his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalit had hired him. For this purpose, he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalit, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess, Nodiah, and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the first two tactics didn't work. So let's try another one. Let's scare him. Let's trap Nehemiah. Haters want to bring you down to their level. Don't play their games. Don't get involved. Don't be a coward. Fear God and not man. At this point, those who are opposing Nehemiah are really starting to go crazy. They're starting to flail all around and they are very desperate. Throughout the book of Nehemiah, if you you track through it, and I like to do this sometimes is look for the words that are being repeated in a passage or in a book, and I highlight them. And I noticed from a previous reading, I had highlighted the fear of God a lot in Nehemiah. We're reminded of the fear of God, not man. And I was reminded of these verses as well. Uh, in Hebrews it says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Galatians says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And in 2 Timothy, it says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God does not want us to operate in fear. He calls for us to be bold and courageous and not to worry about what people think of us. Throughout my life, I think I've, I've talked about this before in a sermon, but throughout my life I've had people speak truth and blessing over me. And with great detail, I can remember exactly where I was when those things have happened. I can tell you exactly the location and stand right where it happened. And I remember one night after battalion when I was in grade 8, I was talking to Lance Martins about some fears I had about presenting in front of my peers at school. I was very nervous about it. And Lance just looked at me and said, but you're Ben Jeffson. You don't care what people think about you. It was as if Lance was commanding a truth over my life. And I have forever been impacted about how that truth has been spoken over me. My friends, I believe that a lot of what we're talking about right now comes down to good leadership. If someone is promoting a vision in anything and they're trying to get people on board, the only way it's going to happen is if that leader can be trusted. If you lose trust, you're done. And John Maxwell puts it this way. Every message that people receive is filtered through the messenger who delivers it. This is happening right now as I'm preaching to you all. People want to go along with people they get along with. As a leader, your success is measured by your ability to take the people where they need to go. But you can do that only if the people first buy into you. You can do that only if the people first buy into you. No one is going to follow you if they don't trust you. Andy Stanley says, it is the alignment between a person's convictions and his behavior that makes his life persuasive. You need to gain trust, respect, and some experience doesn't hurt either. I wouldn't dream of asking any of you here to follow me or promote a vision if I didn't think you first trusted me. And I've had people in my life trying to promote leadership and and although like leadership over me, and although they may have had some experience and even proficiency, if I don't trust them, or if I don't trust the way that they're even living out their life, and if it's out of balance, I will not follow them, even if they know way more than I do on a subject that they're trying to lead me in. No matter what the future holds, For me, as I go in my life, I will always be about evangelism and discipleship. Whether you want to follow me in that or not, I will continue to pursue that in my life. I have a passion to see Grand Grand Forks transformed by the gospel and the saving work of Jesus Christ crucified. People need to hear the message of salvation. They need it so bad. I am going to continue to press into telling Grand Forks about Jesus and helping people go deeper in their relationship with Him. That's a vision that I'm willing to die for. And I wonder where you're all at today. Have you thought about the vision for your life? Where is God taking you? I mean, at the very least, everybody here, if if you call yourself a Christian, has been called by Jesus Himself. Be making disciples, to be sharing the gospel. Um, how are we doing with those things, even and maybe especially during difficult times? I want to challenge us to, to evaluate that in our lives, to think through where we're going. And yeah, it's, it's good to talk about goals and, and plans, you know, physical fitness and these other things that we want to achieve in our, achieve in our lives. And, and those things are good and, and they probably create a lot of good momentum in other areas. But what we really need to consider is what we're doing with the gospel, both in our families and in our communities and and the circles that we're in. That's really what this comes down to. So I'm I'm gonna continue my, my best to do a great work. And sometimes I can't come down, but you can join me. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you so much for Nehemiah's example here um, and just how he handled things and, and knowing that he had a, a vision from you and that's ultimately what we want to have as well is, is the vision given to us from you and, and the plan you have for us and, and we all know that we have um, the same mission and perhaps that's going to work its way out in different ways for each of us But help us to walk into that, Lord. Give us strength and courage. It's not easy to do. Uh, We all have people in our lives who don't know you. Help us to be bold and and to have good conversations with those people, Uh, to continue to walk in that, to trust in your strength and your power. And Lord, we just thank you again that we have the opportunity to do all these things because of the vision you had for us. Uh, that you came down to earth to die on the cross for us, uh, to save us, to redeem us, uh, to have relationship with us. And Lord, if there are people here and, and on internet world that don't know you, Lord, I just pray for them now. I pray for their hearts and their souls. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to them and that we as well would be bold to speak to speak. Uh, to those we don't that we know that don't know you Lord continue to strengthen us in that way so we thank you Lord and we just pray for an end to some of this chaos that's in our world right now lots of people are struggling and hurting and and we've got lots of difficulties uh, but Lord help us to fix our eyes on you again i'm just so grateful for the children's ministry that's taking place here today and that my kids get to hear the gospel and and take part in that again. It's been a long time in this setting. Uh, we thank you that our families uh, continue to strengthen and do that work and that it is up to me and, and, and to Shana to continue to speak that truth over Nora and Miles. And each household has those responsibilities too, with their children and our families. But Lord, it is so nice and it is so great having other people speak into our lives. So Lord, we thank you for all this. We look forward to the future and we look ultimately forward to the future where we'll be reunited with you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I thank you so much for joining us here today. We will continue to be up here on Sundays. Um, yeah, for the next, uh, the rest of May and, and of all of June. Uh, and we just thank you so much for your, your patience and your grace with, with the leadership. It's not easy and, and there's been a lot of difficulties along the way, but we're just so grateful for all of you and all the support and encouragement and prayer that you've given us. And so thank you for coming out today and, and we just pray that you guys have a great week.